You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. Freddie Dex is one of the few people in the country that is a master sommelier. Let's listen to his journey and get some inside tips from this world-class taster. Okay, cool. I'm sitting with Fred Dexheimer, MS, good friend, known for a very long time. Uh, long enough that I actually helped him get his MS. Uh, it's true. But which we'll get to. We'll get to. But I think for Freddie, I'd like to go back to his childhood, like a therapist. Freddie, let's oh, go boy. back. Let's go way back. Uh, I remember you told me that you were, um, I worked in a video store, and it was your family business. And it was just you and your mom, you were a latchkey kid. And what my theory is here is that the skill set that uh, let you be a good um, video guy or video kid because you were a child is the same skill set you used to become an MS, which is ridiculously hard to do. There's 160 in the country, 240 worldwide. So, Somewhere thereabouts, yeah. So very, very hard thing to accomplish. But let's go back as a child uh, uh, to start, you start, the, start the wheels rolling about how this happened. Well, uh, John, number one, thank you for uh, having me on the show. Thank Congratulations you. on the show. Uh, Thanks for it. Cool stuff, drinking yeah. on the job. That's yeah. what we do. Yep. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, um, I go by Fred Dex, by the way. Fred Dex. Sorry. Dex. Yeah, okay. Right. Fred Dex MS. Or, or the juice man. The juice. Because Freddie has a consulting I, company. I got a couple uh, of monikers uh, so, out there. So the video store. You're, you're, you're a child. Yeah. How old yeah. are you? So, uh, you know, I grew up in a video arcade first, which oh, okay. was super cool, you know, Pac-Man fever and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Sure. And then... As uh, the world kind of went to more, you know, home gaming, Nintendo, we mm. got into VHS business. Right. And uh, it was super cool because, you know, I'm 9, 10 years old, and I'm surrounded by hundreds, thousands of movies. And I was, you know, tasked with, you know, stocking, organizing, numbering, um, you know, the movies, which is one part of the sommelier's job, right. which is, you know, not the, not the fun, glamorous part, but you got to, you, you're, you stock your sellers, you, you, you're moving boxes around, you're putting bottles into places. So I was doing that stuff. But then fast forward a couple of years when I, when I started watching four, three, three, four or five movies a day, right. uh, people so, would come to me. Yeah. So people would come to me and be like, Hey, Hey, little Wolfie. Cause my, my mom's store was called Wolfie's video. Right. Hey man, you recommended that cool movie, that thriller from you know that Tom Berenger movie. Right. You know, if you remember Tom Berenger, sure. yeah. you know, like that was cool. What what do you got? To, what do you got for me tonight? So it was almost like I was a, a, a video store song. Exactly. That's a that's a great way of putting it. So that's what I'm saying. I think the skill set you learned early on because it's uh, visual inventory. It's appealing to people's taste, remembering what they watched and liked, like you would remember what they drank last time they were in the restaurant. But what's interesting about your story. It's, you have almost this Horatio Alger kind of story, and that is coming from humble being beginnings True. to uh, becoming an MS, which is a, a huge journey. But you, you didn't do it in a very traditional way because you were uh, you, you didn't go to you went to high school, uh, but your your mom and also your your mom passed at a rather yeah, young yeah. age. She passed when I was twenty twenty five or so. I was, yeah. I, was, I was in New York at the time working yeah. in, uh, in restaurants. Yeah, left you kind of. By yourself to some degree, yeah. and I think uh, you've always had this incredibly, uh, incredible independent spirit. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, traveled everywhere, and uh, even as like a, a young man, like in were you in Colorado or 
Yeah, I mean, I lived in Jackson Hole. I mean, I took a bus out to L.A. with a couple of chicks from high school, and that really that really opened my opened my mind because I grew mm. up in a small town in Pennsylvania. It's cool as being in a video store mm. sounds when you're 18 years old, 19 years old, and that's your future. You know, I mean, like. I could have written the movie Clerks uh, right. <laughs> at that time, you know, or been Quentin Tarantino if I had a different different path. But yeah, so that independent spirit, travel, you know, uh, that seeking and searching for for things, and uh, you know, um, you know, I'm a pretty smart guy, I think. So, you know, I was always curious, you know, and, right. and uh, I, I read books, and I was always looking for things, right. and. Uh, but I think it's crazy that like the your life experience was your college education because yeah. you were uh, alone a lot. Street you smart. traveled a lot. You had a really kind of street uh, savviness and, and street smarts, which is worth a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, um, I had a paper route when I was in you know fifth grade. I was shoveling sidewalks when I was in third, fourth grade. I was counting money when I was like eight years old. Store. In the video. So we had right. quarters, right? Quarters right. and tokens. So I was going to the bank, dropping off the you know the money drop offs. Right. I was bundling money, putting quarters into the you know the ten dollar roles uh-huh. if anyone remembers that sure. um yeah so i had a lot of different skill sets and um yeah that all dumped in that all just right. funneled into you know eventually getting into wine i mean sure. your guidance counselor when you're 16 17 <laughs> years old can't be like hey kid you know uh <laughs> hey freddie you really uh, like to drink yeah you should be a sommelier like, <laughs> right. what the, what is this what the what you know but sure. uh yeah and i had no interest in culinary um, and stuff like that. But my grandmother, I, um, in the summers, my grandmother and grandfather owned a, a golf course, mm-hmm. go-karts, and they had a pizza den that we, you know, with milkshakes, you know, Coke, I was talking about Coke floats, you know, alcoholic Coke floats, right. we can talk about that later, right. <laughs> and uh, flipping burgers and stuff. So I was making pizza, pizza dough, you know, grinding cheese, making sauce. I was cooking right. at a pretty young age. So, right. so you take, you know, this video game experience, you know, with the, the you know the, the the numbers and the algorithms and and sure. the, the math because in, in wine we can talk about that also it's like yeah. you get a divide right you get a case of wine for X amount of money you have to you know what do you, it was a cost per bottle what's the cost per ounce what's the cost sure. so all that stuff was in a well actually the. I mean, that's why your consulting business is going so strong as well. Yeah. You can run in and you can look at a P&L sheet like nobody's business or yeah. an Excel spreadsheet, take apart, you know, what's wrong, what's what's right. Um, and that probably helps from that background as well. Yeah. Well, um, if, if they want to give it to me, that is. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, um, part of, you know, fast forward, part of one of the things that I was successful with early on was the ability to look at numbers and deliver numbers and deliver cost and, and have a, you know, I, I worked for a pretty, uh, demanding owner at one point that every week I was turning in, you know, these theoretical numbers every month we're turning in inventory projections, projections and, yeah. and all this other stuff. And, and, uh, you know, um, pretty much, you know, I batted, I batted, uh, you know, 900, uh, yeah, you know, wow! You know I, mean? When, I mean, that puts you. In, that's that's Hall of Fame numbers. Five hundred uh, Hall yeah, of Fame. Yeah, Nine hundred. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, so, what's the first bottle of wine that said you thought to yourself, "I'm going to come to New York. I'm going to go to New York, and uh, I want to start this wine journey." What, what's that bottle, and what was that? Well, there was never a bottle, John. I mean, you know, the thing was, um, I was living in Jackson Hole. Well. It's hard to explain this. Let me go back to the beginning of when I got into wine. A buddy of mine, I was living in Vermont, ski mm. town, playing drums, you know, waiting tables, ponytail, ski bum, 
girls, all kinds of you know. Basically, uh, you wait, know, wait. This isn't the uh, this isn't quite the uh, the pulling yourself up from the bootstrap story I was pitching earlier. So this, is this the, kid uh, was partying from the time he was fourteen on. So is, uh, let's get let's go. <laughs> this let's is like real. an eighties. Uh, right. This is like an eighties. You know, um, you know, coming of age story. Right. You're you're a young Rob Lowe in this story. All right. Well, <laughs> more a young Brad Pitt. But, right. Okay. All right. Yeah, okay. On, the, on the couch with the, right. with the with the with uh, the 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 honey bear. Okay. You know, like a true. True no, but uh, so I was working in restaurants, and a buddy of mine was like, "Hey, man, uh, I just got back from Nantucket, and uh, you should come with me because these restaurants, there's like these fine dining restaurants, hundred dollar bottles of wine. You should get a wine book. This is what he told me: you get a wine book. And uh, so I went up to. I was living in like ski area, so I went up to Burlington, went to Borders or Barnes and Noble, you know, uh, when there were still bookstores alive. Sure, um, I got a wine book. Cost me nine bucks, ten bucks. Alexis Bespaloff's uh, Fine Guide of Wine or something, paperback. And I bought the book, started reading the book, went to Nantucket, got a gig at a great restaurant. They're like, How do you know all this shit about wine and cocktails? I'm like, I read this book. Right. You know, so, and then it kind of just put me into the, that, that, that current of, uh, of, of that high level. And I was working in bars, cellars. I was working like, like five jobs a week. I was working in a wine store. Right. I was working but also early on, you saw, oh, if I get some knowledge, I can parlay this knowledge Boom. into a better position and a better life for myself. Knowledge, by the way, right. for anyone who's listening, is king. <laughs> the more you know, and yes. I, and and yeah. you know, I, I tell people now that I, um, you know, if I go and train waiters, bartenders, I say, look, spend five ten minutes a day, just just go Google search one of the wines by the glass, Google search, you know. Uh, one of the spirits, uh, a bourbon, a rum, or whatever, and just build five minutes a day of knowledge. Mm. And, you know, what I found, there was a big turnaround. When I bought that wine book, I went from a little hippie waiter with a ponytail. Everyone's like, oh, you're cute, you're a nice guy. And it was a lot of, you know, people that mm. they considered, I was like 20 years old. Sure. So they like looked at me as like their son, you know, like sure. in ski towns. And then by the time I had read the book, uh, or at least a part of the book, and I started talking to tables like, hey, I know what this is and that is. They're like, wow, you know your stuff. I was making, instead of a 20% tip, I was getting 30% tips. I, was, I, w- I went from making like 100 bucks a night to 125 and 150 bucks a night in tips on the same tables. And by right. the way, that's an extra case of beer. Right, <laughs> that's better weed. So, see, I, look at the way your mind works. You've already turned your cash into a, like a product uh, that you enjoy. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that's on an Excel spreadsheet at home somewhere, right? Yeah, right. Uh, well, you know, your friend, you know, so we would could I would come home with like 150 bucks in my pocket. What do you do when you're 20 years old? Like you, yeah, you buy no, beer and you party with your friends sure. and you have fun. You pay your rent. You yeah. buy better. You know, if you could buy filet mignon instead of you know, London broil, ground chuck, ground chuck. Yeah. So, you know, that was the real motivation early on. And then, um, you know, I, you know, fast forward a couple years later and I I heard about the master sommelier program when I was out in Jackson hole with this, uh, this guy who now is very successful in Chicago. Um, he actually bought Brewer Clifton at one point, flipped Hmm. it. He's, he's owns a company, Tenzing's got a couple masters working for him, really smart guy. and, And I saw what he was doing and he was drawing maps and he was tasting in this very calculated way. And he's, I was like, what is that guy doing? Like, he's going he's gonna to become a master sommelier. And I was like, what, what's a master? What the WTF's master sommelier? And uh, so, you know, I, I just, like, just committed that into my brain. It was, like, seared into my mind. I'm going to do this. Right. And then I moved to New York, uh, worked at Danielle Cellarat, then got into Gramercy Tavern. 
And at the time, there wasn't a lot going on. Like, it right. was a very small thing. And I w- took my intro in Toronto. And I remember it was a bit of a thing, like, like to get my days off and to, like, cover my shifts. And, like, right. but, uh, and by the way, you just don't walk to Danielle and get a job, um, Fred. Uh, but it's... Uh, That's a whole other story. I think uh, if there's anyone that knows Fred uh, or if you would... Uh, words of advice to anybody, uh, just uh, if you are passionate about something, and I don't care what it is, music, art, you know, cheese, um, passion uh, is palpable. Yeah. And I think uh, I've known Fred for a long time, and that's one thing that everybody would use to describe him. Um, and so I'm sure once he was on this mission and walked in as a, how old were you? And you walked into Danielle, which is a, a Michelin star rated four star <laughs> at the time in New York City. Yeah, it was four star New right. York Times restaurant. Yeah. And yeah. you walked in with not a lot of experience and you ended up uh, working in the cellar there. Well, that was the whole, well, I had met the sommelier, um, God bless his soul, RIP, uh, Jean-Luc Ledoux, right. met me in Jackson Hole. And I was running this um, this uh, this event. I was kind of captaining a station it was a wine spectators like big it was wine spectators big auction right and it's a huge deal i mean jacksonville's got a lot of money and there were all these huge dinners and i'm like 22 years like 23 years old i mean i know shit from shinola i'm just riding the wave you know looking like uh you know like Jeff Spicoli and and, and <laughs> just just getting some tasty tasty yeah. tasty wine and some you know cool buzz yeah. and uh so I had Captain the Station, and it was all these, like, elite restaurants around the U.S. I had no idea, like, what, what station I was in. And uh, Jean-Luc pulls me over, and he says, hey, man, I like this 83 Margot, and we were pouring out a Magnum. By the way, 83 Margot is one of the greatest wines in the world, <laughs> and uh, it was, you know, I, I was just blown away by it. Um, and like I said, there was no singular bottle, but that bottle brought me to New York because he's like, look, save me one bottle of that for this table and just keep me pouring and just don't let anybody else... So he's basically, right. he's like, put it under the table for me. Right. So, I, so basically I did. He gave me his card and he said, you very, you know, I like your style, dude. And you're, you know, whatever. Um, you're, you're cool. And uh, you're thinking about coming to New York, you know, here's my card. So it, that, was a, that was in like, I don't know, July, August. And, right. I, and, I, and then this is before like the internet. This is like 1999, 2000. And I eventually called him. And he's like, oh, you called me. Oh, hello, how are you? Huh? I remember meeting you. <laughs> you know, in the French it's accent. Mr. Spicoli. <laughs> yes, Spicoli is calling me. Yeah, yeah. Ah, so, ah. He's, uh, so he's like, uh, so I put you in touch uh, with uh, the Michael Lawrence and the, the director's operations. And blah, blah, blah. Ah. So, um, you know, I was in Jackson Hole. I had a pretty sweet gig. I had a bartending gig. I was uh, working in a wine shop. I was waiting tables. I had a really hot 20-year-old girlfriend. I uh, was making 1000 bucks cash a week. I had a convertible, a dr- <laughs> two drum sets, and uh, I lived across the street from the, the brewery. Right. So, like, in, in, like, 10 feet to the You mountain. could still be living there today if you didn't have right. any real yeah. desire to, yeah. like, go after the, go after so the, I, so the, I the went gold. A- so I went after. I went right. after the gold, and, uh, you know, I, I put all my stuff in a truck and drove across country, dropped it off at my grandmother's house in PA, and uh, I had to go to D.C. to drop the truck off and took a bus to, to Port Authority. And I remember arriving at Port Authority in New York City with, like, like a bag. Like, all right. Yeah. 
<laughs> it was it was like a literally yeah, welcome to New York. Welcome to New York. Right. And it and it wasn't as you know, back, you know, twenty years ago it was uh it wasn't quite as civil. <laughs> That's it's, what I mean. It's, it's it was, still not yeah, civil, but it's a bit of a hellhole, but I'd rather go to Grand Central Station. Yeah. But, so so you so you then you're Danielle. You moved to Gramercy Tavern. Yeah. Which uh, was a, by the way, I'll, I'll stop there. Danielle Balud uh, is one of the greatest chefs on the planet. John Luke was a great sommelier, but I was young. I didn't like. Mm-hmm. I had gone from like, you know, you're you're like this kid riding this wave, you know, skiing, snowboarding, playing drums to like a palace. And Danielle was a palace. Yeah. I mean, it was palatial. Oh, it's incredible. And the artwork the, over that couch and the right across from the bar. Just still stops me dead in my tracks. It's one of the most beautiful restaurants in the city. They were selling – John Luke was selling sometimes a hundred grand a night in wine. There were kings and queens. I remember one night Warren Beatty walked in with, a, with Annette Benning, and he was in a jean jacket, and they almost didn't serve him because they, <laughs> they was a jacket required. He's like – I'm like, that's fucking Warren Beatty. <laughs> Do you know who Warren Beatty is? Like, Freddie had to step in. I was, like, everybody straight. I was like, listen, mother. <laughs> you know, but, Shampoo? Hello? Yeah, hello. Hal Ashby, yeah. great director. Uh, um, yeah, but so, you know, and then I went to Gramercy Town. I can't say enough about back then. Danny Meyer only had, you know, a couple of restaurants. Uh, it, was, it was four at that time. It was Union Square. And it took him, people don't really understand this, it took him nine years from Union Square to Gramercy mm-hmm. to open number two. And then he did uh, EMP, uh, the original version, and he did um, Tabla. Right. And that was the only restaurants. And to get a job at Gramercy Tavern, I got lucky because Tom Calicchio was opening Kraft. And it was like right, it was on the other side. He, Gramercy on 20th, he took the building on 19th Street. We joked that you could build a tunnel and like, you know. Uh, all right, yeah. yeah but yeah. Uh, so I got lucky because um, I got a slot to work with Paul Greco, who owns Terroir, called me. Mm-hmm. Um, and. You know, I would put that as the greatest stepping, you know, kind of uh, foundational piece. Right. Like that put all the pieces together. And now you're still thinking, I want to get my MS. I mean, that's why you came. You were like, the vision and the goal is still to get well, the MS. Well, I, you know, yeah, of course. Okay. Well, I hadn't yet been in the program. I wanted to be a career wine guy. Right. And okay. I knew about the profession of a sommelier. Right. So I was trying to be, just become a sommelier. Right. But then once I took the test, I was, and I saw, so when I saw the, the my four proctors, uh, I went to Toronto to do my intro, okay. by the way. We're going to stop there because we're going to tell, we're going to talk about what this test involves because it's uh, a lot. So at this point, we're going to stop. And normally I pick a wine and I tell everyone why I picked this wine to, to, to match the guest. But since you're a master sommelier, I'm going to tell you what the wine is and you tell me why I picked it uh, uh, to match your personality. All right, so game this on. is Dr. <laughs> This is Dr. Lippold, sparkling Riesling from the Mosul. Uh, we'll taste, and you tell me why I picked it to match you, sir. Well, number one, it's delicious. Thanks. That's that's step one. Yeah. <laughs> it's yummy. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, John, you know me a long time. You know I'm energetic. Uh, I have a lot of energy. Like the wine, um, Jack. Ebullience. Like the wine. Um, effervescence. Effervescent. Oh. I'm just going to pull out a lot of E-words. <laughs> <laughs> Feverishly. Eff- yeah. A bullion. And, and, um, um, yeah, but, you know, uh, my, you know, I think you, you're playing a little Germanic thing here. My yes. name is Frederick Dexheimer. Dexheimer. Yes. yes. Organizational <laughs> skills are his strength. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
I have, I have a major OCD. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think, you know. Okay, so let's, let's get back. Let's get back. So, but this is also bright, clean, fresh. I, I, yeah. I, I and think you don't see a, as, And it's, it's a special wine because you don't see a lot of sparkling Riesling. Yeah. But this is a, this is a great wine. It's made from a couple different single vineyards. Uh, and Mosul, and Mosul's in credit. The clarity, the, the yeah. linear. Uh, the, this min, is, the mineral components. And Riesling is, uh, you know, for those of you out there that are, you know, not Psalms, but Riesling is the, you know, that's. You know, that's our geek wine. Right? Yeah, it totally is. And it's so flexible. It goes with a bunch of stuff. And it's really, I, I love it. Also, I also love it because most of the time it's slightly lower in alcohol. And by the way, this wine is interesting because it's a dry, mm-hmm. sparkling Riesling. Mm-hmm. And everybody, you know, a, a lot of folks out there may think that Riesling's sweet. That's a whole other story. But mm-hmm. Riesling can be sweet, can be dry, can be rich, can be lean, can be sparkling, yeah. can be just, you know, the most gorgeous, unctuous true wine in the world and, and freddie just gave you a little secret uh, a lot of psalms that people really love wine one of their favorite whites or go-to whites is riesling riesling yeah so uh so let's get let's get to for the people who don't know what an ms has to go through let's go through the the kind of blocks of uh tests which you have to do academically service and so let's 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 start there well number one like you 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 uh you have to be a self-starter you have to be motivated Right. You have to have complete determination and, and, and you basically at this point, you know, you, you give up a lot to, to do this. Um, but the, but the, the, it's an organ, it's an examination organization. Let's just mm-hmm. get that straight. Um, and there are three exams that you have to pass. Number one, which is the most important is your theory, which is the foundation of all your knowledge. Mm-hmm. And this is the flashcards and the books and the books you know, when I when I took the uh, when I was going through the exam, uh, Google was not where it was. I mean, I'm talking like early aughts in the yeah. you know late '90s, early aughts. You could go you could you could go on the internet for stuff, but like the oh. majority. I mean, I used to carry multiple books around in a backpack, highlighters. You know, I'd go to tons Central of Park. index cards. No, I didn't do. Yeah, not, I saw lots of people with index cards. I'm not a flashcard guy. Yeah, I never was a flashcard guy. Yeah. I, I I had I printed stuff out on paper and I would learn. You know, and I would just go through questions and answers and pick off what I knew. Mm-hmm. I would just go away. Mm-hmm. The things I didn't know, you know, but theory now it's really crazy, but you have to learn uh, regions, grape varieties, you know, what goes where, what goes where, producers, um, and there's thousands. I mean, the, the, it's endless. Yeah. It's, it's a completely endless. So that's the foundation. Then there's a service piece. And the service piece, because uh, sommelier is essentially, a, we're servants, we, we serve, right. you know. And, you know, we, and Asami, I think, gets a bit of a, I don't think the profession is, is completely understood because you're, you're a steward of, you're the steward of the seller. You right. run the seller. You run the business of the seller and the pairings and the, the mm. bottles and the, you know, the condition of the wines and, and uh, the intake and outtake and the receiving and, and all, the, all these things. And then you, you also um, are responsible for the menus and staff training and that's before a guest walks in yes you know and then the guest walks in and that's where everybody thinks it's it's this show but it is showtime especially if you're in you know midtown manhattan or you're working in you know one of these great restaurants where you're you're on and there's there's, i I have to tell you so being actually in the theater and things like that that i i would do uh, i was in the restaurant business for a while and one of the things i did like about it was i liked the prep before a very busy night um, because the manager, whoever was running the floor that night would come in and they would give you the lineup. And it was our, our, our rule that the rookie 
or last person hired would have to get everybody coffee or espresso. So we'd all sit there, the captains who kind of run the room and take care of the tables would be drinking their espresso. And then the manager would do the rundown. Okay, we have table eight. It's a VIP table tonight. Uh, it's, you know, the chef from Gotham's coming in. Table 10 is a VIP. It's Tommy Toon. Or it's Warren Beatty on table nine. And so we'd all have to sit there and we'd book the room to the fullest because you want as many times to move that table and turn that table so you get your money back so we can all make money. And it, it had to run with great precision, particularly in a great restaurant, the fine dining establishments. Um, and that's, uh, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. But yeah. getting back to the service exam, which I always find interesting, is I know lots of Psalms that have said that um, the people, so uh, to set that, why don't you set up, what's it look like? The aim is to see your acumen and to see if you can think on your feet, right. to see if you can, uh, if you have the mechanic. So what was, you know, you, so there's a couple of things with service. There's the theory, which drives all the information that you're giving a table. Then you need mechanics. Hmm. You need to know how to carry trays and pour wine and do all the things and decant. steps of service, decant, open, sta- open champagne, uh, properly, not pop. But you need I, to I heard a great cocktails. St- yeah, yeah, okay, exactly. You need to have cocktail service. Know about cigars. But yeah. I heard a great story. Of somebody who's I forget the exact uh, brand of champagne, but they're like, "Hey, you don't have any champagne from this year. It's my wife and I. It's our anniversary." And they'll go, um, "Let me check. I think we do." Or they weren't sure, and and they didn't do a vintage champagne that yeah. year. And yeah. that's one of those things that you can you possibly need to fail on. Yeah, of course. But so imagine, like you know, as a trying to get past this and people throwing questions like like, and there's and then there's the food allergies at the table and all that uh well yeah i mean what was the most difficult part for you so no so let's go through it so we get the theory we have the service well i start with theory because i really want to drive home Mm -hmm. that like if your theory isn't strong you're going to be a shit taster and you're not going to be able to serve the table and and be able to mine those questions right like Mm -hmm. if someone says oh and it's 1979, and that producer didn't make a bit. Uh, you, that's the, that's all theoretic. That's all your right. knowledge, right? So yeah, the, the the you know the funny thing is with with service is nerves. So you really gotta just kind of. I tell people just put your feet on the ground, breathe. You know, go in there. You know what you know, but you should you should you should practice by yourself in your own room. I tell all mm. my students, I'm like, just walk around the table and just talk to yourself and put glasses up and down, pour stuff. And give yourself your own exam so that when you go in there, you have muscle, you have muscle memory. Right. So that's, that's a big thing. A lot of folks go in there and uh, they, they, they're really good on the floor in their own job. But in the testing environment, they haven't trained themselves to do the, 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 the testing environment. And that natural ability to go to table to table and just own your dining room falls to pieces. Where you, I mean, you crumble in that room. Yeah. And then so to your, what you were asking earlier, yeah, you go in that room and you're told, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to four tables. You're going to do one that's a champagne table. You're going to do one that's a food and wine pairing table. You're going to do one that's a decanting table. And then you're going to do one that's like a table that's like, it's a random table that could be like an angry guest or they're celebrating. So you are walking into a, a room where there's four tables. It could be an 
eight top, meaning there's eight people sitting at a table. Eight there's top, a six top, top four there's top, a two and a four. Dessert that table, table yeah. this. Uh, this table is the champagne table. So you're carrying eight glasses. At the same time, somebody, okay, we just sat you another table. This table, other table has a food allergy. The other guy wants to talk to you about vintage Bordeaux. Yeah. And you're still giving real service to all these tables simultaneously. So it's the juggling of an insane amount of theory and a service information. Yeah. Because you still have to put the glass down properly. Glass down properly, like pour down properly. Decant, decant uh, which is champagne. which is uh, pouring a, an older vintage that they want to aerate. Sometimes it has sediment, yeah. a little granular sediment that you have to make sure doesn't end up in the glass. Yeah. And so this, at the same time, you're juggling a lot of information. When you have to explain why you're doing certain things too, like why are you decanting this? Why are right. you doing this this way? Why did you only pour me two ounces of that or three ounces of that? Right. And uh, there's a lot of uh, where 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 we do give you some some business is like, oh, uh, I don't like Pinot Noir. Um, what else you got? Well, uh, how, about a, how about a Beaujolais? I'm not a big fan of Beaujolais either. Um, I don't like French wine at all. Actually, I went to France. I got, I got food poisoning. Right, and <laughs> and like I'll never eat French food or drink French wine again. What else you got? Right, and that's real stuff that they throw at you. Yeah, Absolutely. that's real stuff. Yeah. But you know, yeah. it's 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 we it's 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 scripted. Yes. So let's be straight that it's that, that every all of the masters and all yeah. of the examiners. Right. We have the same thing, but we can we can we all have our own personalities. Sure. So basically, mm. you know, sometimes I'll just say. I'll make something up like that. Like, right. <laughs> I got, yeah, I just, I just got back from Paris and I have dysentery and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I eat too much butter and right. drink too much Montrachet. <laughs> I'll never drink yeah. champagne again. Right. So what else do you got? So we're just trying to see what the, no, it's not messy, but we're just trying right. to see, can you work on your feet Makes and sense. recommend something else and do well, something. With, with the prestige of the uh, MS title comes an understanding that if you are going to have this pen, if you are going to uh, obtain uh, uh, this name of MS next to your name, then you should be able to uh, certainly perform at a high level under incredible pressure and multiple scenarios. So yeah. let's get past that. Yeah. Now let's get down to uh, the third part of this, which is yeah. the blind tasting. The tasting, yeah. That's, that's the, so I saved that for last okay. because that was the last piece that I, um, that I went through. And <clears throat> excuse me, I did uh, zero. Mm-hmm. Two, one. Um, so the, what that means is I went, um, I went to take the exam and I got no parts. And I got completely clobbered. So no parts meaning you did I not didn't pass, pass anything. any of them. So the yeah. theory, the, the service, or the blind taste. I got, okay. I got smoked, you dude. You blanked. It okay. was basically like, you know, they, they brought me up to the, to the majors from AAA. And, uh, man. Kid I, couldn't hit the curve. I, I couldn't see that curveball. Right. Like it was, it <laughs> okay. was like double vision. Right. And, uh, and then the next time, I knew it was almost like an audit, right? So right. I was like, I know what's coming at me. Right. So okay. I, I, I practiced those pitches. I right. knew the curveball. Right. I knew the slider. Right. I knew the knuckleball, metaphorically. Sure. And I was sure I was going to get through, um, which very few people go zero, three. I don't think I think it was maybe one or two. So I was really excited about that. And it's called the Schlitz Cup um, by Joe Spellman, uh, Mastomi. And I didn't get the tasting piece. And I went back. All I had to do is tasting. And that's when I started working with you at, yes. uh, here at T. Edward. Yeah, I'm, and, like a, uh, I'm like a pitching coach. Yeah. You, and, and, well, no, we, we, you know, John, we sat here mm-hmm. um, yeah. for two, three, four weeks. And every day, I don't know if you remember this, sure. you, put up, you put up six for me. And uh, I just felt like 
doesn't matter, man. Nothing, nothing, nothing's gonna hurt me. Right. So and let's explain exactly. So I put so up six, six wines, wines so and six then wines. and and your goal is to and where you pick up points is and let's be clear on this because people are listening and they go, I don't, I quite understand blind tasting. So you have to name. I'll explain this. Yeah, go. So there are six wines. You have twenty five minutes. Um, typically, it's three whites, three reds. Classic wines. Mm-hmm. You know, from classic regions in France, Italy, Spain, California, mm-hmm. Australia, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, all kinds of different, you know, uh, age ranges, especially at the master. We taste some older wines. So there's 10, 15, 20-year-old reds. Um, what you have to do is, is uh, clearly define the wine site, clearly define the aromatic components of the wine, uh, the primary fruit, the condition of the fruit. You know, uh, secondary things like spices and florals and uh, is there oak, no oak, what kind of winemaking is going on, um, you know, and, and kind of all these little boxes. And it's like wrestling as in you get points for? You, you get points for what you do do, not what right. you don't do. Right. And then from there, you're, you're, making, you're making conclusions. So you're saying, okay, this wine looks this way, smells this way. The taste this way, but then the texture. So I'm a big texture guy. Like, right. I'm big on like the way the wine feels, mouthfeel. We right. don't we don't talk about that en- enough uh, in our in, in in wine I believe because uh, we mostly talk about what it smells like what it tastes like not right. what it feels like and then you make a conclusion and the conclusion basically uh, what you need to do is define the grape variety the region the age range quality level um, we don't do producer that's not one of the things but I mean for uh, trickery you know if you want to do this at home you can. Because uh, right. there are stylistic, mm-hmm. you know, uh, pieces to sure. certain producers, and but you have twenty five minutes to do this, so it's basically four minutes of wine, and it's basically that twenty five minutes is a short, like it, that could be like a second of your life, mm-hmm. like and, and it goes so fast. And as an examiner, I've seen people just like, it's like they just like, what what just happened? I, they, you know, and for me when I passed, I was a, I was a disaster taster. Um, uh, like they looked at me like what the what did what the hell just happened because um, when you're in there you just you, no matter how prepared you are like a wheel can come off you know sure. and and like you know and and, and and next thing you know 25 minutes have gone by and you're like oh man I wish I would have done this called this said this said, right. I, I, that's or the that. amount of times that people probably backtrack I know that's a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc it's a probably pretty current vintage and then you're finished the wines you still have a minute to go and you're like wait a second yeah, let me I go have back. one minute I want to go back I don't think that is New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc I think it's Sancerre same varietal but I don't think it's New Zealand it's got to be French I'm going to yeah. change it yeah. so there is that kind of last minute panic that can happen the smart ones just walk away right um, and the ones that know, because you have, so it's an interesting thing with tasting because you have three whites, three reds. So sometimes you think wine number one is something, and then you get to wine number three, and you're like, uh oh. Right, because that I know that that's a white burgundy. So that, that can't be a white burgundy. Yeah. Oh my god! Right, right. So okay, then okay. that's when you that's when you kind of like I kind of root for that person. I'm right. like, come on, dude. You, <laughs> right. do, you, you do that. You just describe this. That's where I will say take the second, uh, the second guess. Sure. But yeah, just go. You know. But but you know, for me, tasting is uh, you know you tra- It's like training. It's like training it for a training. marathon. There's no doubt. And you got to train your palate. And people think I have this like palate or 
that were super tasters. I'll tell you what. I grew up in the middle of Pennsylvania eating cheeseburgers and <laughs> cheesesteaks and pizza and Coke and like I mean, you know, Stouffer's was like a was like a luxury meal oh, to I me. Oh, Stouffer's, Stouffer's, yeah, yeah sure. the mac and cheese. Yeah, yeah. And so I didn't grow up with any sort of super taste. I, I trained my. No. I trained my tongue off, yeah. you know, no, so I, to speak. Well, you did. Because oh, I, I, I remember uh, Freddie and I set it down on a calendar. We would be here at X, uh, it'd be a Tuesday or Thursday, 9 o'clock in the morning, regardless. And, uh, and that was because two things. One, it was my time uh, and uh, my resources. And I was like, you, you got to be serious about this because yeah. otherwise I'm not doing it. And yeah. you would show up some mornings hungover as shit. And uh, I said, thank you for coming and applauded you for, for doing it. But you were dead serious about, I'm doing this. I'm going to yeah. get this done. So now you have your MS. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now you're Fred Dexheimer MS. By the way, that name MS will probably follow. It's like the obituary. It's, everyone's going to remember you for this. Like if you went out and killed somebody tomorrow with your bare hands, they go, oh, my God, the uh, New York man, Fred Dexheimer MS, brutally strangled a guy. Well, you know that the New York Times <laughs> doesn't, doesn't go away. New York Times doesn't put doctor or anything. Really? It's Mr. John ah, Coyle yeah. and Mr. Fred. But you know in the follow-up to be an know. MS. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's essentially like a doctorate or a PhD mm, or, right. you know. So, I mean, it's a pretty it's, cool thing. Yeah. It's a cool thing. And, there's, and by the way, sure. we didn't talk about the community, the great community, great people. And, and, and when I took that first exam, I was inspired by Doug Frost mm-hmm. and Joe Spellman mm-hmm. and Damon and uh, – who else was my other proctor? But like, you're just inspired, you know, by these people who have done this and given, you know, their their life to hospitality, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that that was that was the other, that, that was kind of the tipping point, you know. I wanted to do this, but I was in a I was in like a, you know, a, a, you know, I was kind of in a cave on, into my unto myself. I mean, sure. nobody in New York was going for the MS at this time. There was very right. few people even knew about the program in the early 2000s. Um, Andrea Immer was the last person, Andrea Robinson. Right. And well, uh, You know, what's funny is, you're right, it is a doctorate's degree, but what I like about what you've done, there are a few MSs that, I, I mean, there's a lot of MSs that just work for huge companies because it's like having, uh, you know, it's having a superstar on your team if you're yeah. a wine company. So the bigger companies, the $100 million, $150 million companies hire MSs to be part of their team. Yeah. Um, and in some, in some regards, it kind of... Uh, uh, saddens me because it, fe- it feels like okay, so they can pay, so that's where they end up. And um, I don't think it's a, a great job for a lot of them. They're not really happy, but they, but you know they have bills to pay. I get it, but I admire people like uh, you know. I mean, if Psalms are still on the floor, they're MS. I think yeah. it's an amazing job. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Sarah Floyd is an MS who has her own uh, company. Laura's Cork Buzz. You have your own consulting business. Yeah. Um, I, I I think that's an amazing thing. I, I like when uh, somebody takes this body of incredible information, and then they want to do something uh, with it that's kind of cool or off the beaten path. Not that that's an unusual way for you to do things. You've always done that, which is why you're such a Toto fan. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, that's uh, well. So, so diverse Toto the band Africa Rosanna. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've been I've been a fan of Toto forever, but one of the reasons why is because if you you know for all these people who love uh, you know pedigree, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about pedigree in wine. Yep. So to me, in music, it's pedigree too. The players, the people who have the chops that to put down great music, and uh, you know I. I I fell in love with Toto, but they're they're master musicians. Yeah, all of them are 
grade, like top tier oh, yeah. first call, Michael Jackson, Carly Simon, Paul McCartney. Oh, they played on everybody. I was, every, just, I was just looking Star. at they, they. They said there's like, they, like five to 10,000 albums that collectively they've worked on tangentially in other projects. Yeah. Um, and then off of that spun out, they said up to a million albums yeah. Uh, yeah. that these people have touched and done their music. I thought you would appreciate this fact, though, about them. Yeah. Do, do you know what they're doing in uh, Africa in the desert? Yeah. The, the so, guy put up a, uh, yeah. an artist. He, he has a, put, a sound system, a German in artist. The put Nambian, up a sound in the Nambian desert. desert yeah. in, in Africa, yeah. where uh, Africa uh, rolls on a loop because they're solar-powered batteries. Yeah. So that song plays... Well, Until whenever. So, you know, but isn't that crazy? I'll go back to the yeah. groove, right? Because that song, the reason why people love that song, mm. and uh, it's the groove. Yeah, absolutely. So it's the groove, right? So part of being a sommelier is finding and be, is being a groove. Part of being in, in, in service is finding a groove. Hitting the groove. And like getting the tables. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and uh, even, you know, I do a lot of bar work too, which uh, we could talk about, but um, getting into the groove. And I still do service. So this year, well, not this year. 2018, I consulted on five different restaurant projects. Mm-hmm. I opened four, de- developed cocktail programs or wine programs for, you know, and so I'm still, I'm still like, I'm still playing. Yeah. I'm can, still, I, can I tell you why you really love to- Toto as well? Tell me. Because um, the music is a collaboration of soul, funk, pop, rock, heavy metal. If you look across their body of music, it's all influenced Prog, by that. jazz. Yeah. yeah. It's just T, you know classical. Uh, one of the guys' dads was a TV. You know they did TV uh, jingles, right. TV scores. They're classically trained musicians. They could read music. Oh, it's dude yeah. Quincy. They were Quincy Jones's first call. I mean, Love how many Quincy records? Jones, Michael. Yeah. They were for the for the nine songs on Beat It yeah. or Toto. If you're hearing me out there, people, wow, check that out. Right, <laughs> you know. And uh, by the way, if you've run into Fred, you got a corner and talked about music. Uh, but make sure you have like. Four to nine hours. Yeah, uh, I, I got other stories. I mean, I, I, you know, John, you, you, we were talking earlier. And, um, I, I've hung out with heavy metal artists and drunk wine with Scott Ian from right. Anthrax, uh, Alex Skolnick from Testament. Yeah, so music and wine are, are you know, uh, part of my whole I think they're the thing. same. But I, it's I, all about the groove, man. Yeah. And, and to me, tastings like that. You got to mm-hmm. find – we mm-hmm. say that. That's, a, that's kind of a term. Mm-hmm. You got to find your groove. Sure. And, and when tasters – find their groove uh especially when you're studying for the master exam you got to find your groove mm. and you got to just like you know, it's you got to get all the noise out if i had to do it again yeah it's totally rhythmic yeah it's totally like yeah. you say this 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 done mm. this this it's almost like quarter notes right it's like you're like it's almost like africa i know i don't know why i love that song i just do everybody loves that everyone song. loves that song it's, it's true it was it's, the most streamed song and, it, and it's not even my favorite Toto it, song it, they have like 14 records it's a, yeah uh, rosanna was big but uh, that's their number one though yeah that's the, that was the gold so let's uh, let's go through well, hold the uh, line here hold the line uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the ms to me we've talked about this what it did for you is it didn't give you like oh oh now i can go make Two hundred thousand dollars a year working for Southern or some big ass corporation. To you, it was like now I have freedom. Yeah, yeah. I have freedom because you, what's great is you can just do your jo- do your job, walk into a room without wearing a suit, and 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 you just can. You're an MS. Yeah, like well, I wear I, a suit sometimes, I, right. and sometimes I wear right. jeans and a jacket. And Most a of the time, though, you don't need to be wearing a suit. And you, if you're if you had your choice, you would not be in a suit. I have an assortment of your... sartorial choices. John. Oh, very good, very good, and, and metal T-shirts. And, and jeans and boots and jackets. Yeah. Well, I am wearing a Metallica. Yeah. There you go. Right. right. Now, so. Uh, so let's uh, let's go because you did spend some uh, time in New York on 
some uh, some of the floors in restaurants. So let's talk about some of the celebrity run-ins you might have had. Yeah, so we talked about that, uh, you know, that moment with Warren Beatty where I was like, what? Yeah. And then uh, a couple of years later, I worked for 66, uh, which was super cool. I met, uh, you know, Robin Williams before, you know, he passed away. And that was what, serving wine to Robin Williams. He was with Sandra Bullock uh, and wow. Lance Armstrong. Oh, and Matthew McConaughey. Wow. It was a table of Tex it was like a Texan table. They were right. all buddies, right? Yeah. Not, well, Robin Williams wasn't, but the Lance well, and Well, Williams and Lance are, are good friends. Yeah. Um, the, people don't know, but Robin Williams had some crazy bikes and did a lot of cycling and he yeah. had a kind of a Well, you're a bike, you're a cyclist. cyclist. So yeah. he had a lot of like uh, connections to Hincapie and and, and and all those guys, but yeah. uh, But no, I mean just to watch him run the table. Yeah. You've never seen anything like this. Yeah. He owned the table. No one else spoke. And no one else cared to speak. Yeah, like, uh, he was just ru- jokes, 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 jokes. And um, also, um, I've met him a few times, and uh, one of the nicest. Yeah, and, and the people I know that have run into him. Yeah, uh, Linda Hill's a good friend of mine he as was, well. She's he was, like, used to improv with her, and everyone just loved this guy. He I'm was, just, he was, but the, but that it was the big round table in the yeah, middle of the. It was yeah. like the, the the VIP table, and he was just owning uh, it. Eddie Pepitone was on the uh, on the podcast, and he had a thing called Pudding Strip that was went viral, and uh, Robin Williams came to do it, and it's a six minute clip, and he said what he was flipped out about was Robin Williams came in and was more professional than all of them. They were all really nervous and hysterically funny, but knew his lines and was just. The yeah. nicest guy in the world. And everyone I know who ran into that guy had the same story. Yeah. And, uh, so then I know that you know Robert Kamen, who's yeah. Karate Kid. Yeah. Uh, so, so good friend of mine, Robert uh, Kamen, uh, you know, uh, he came. We used to, you want to talk about blind tasting? Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. I'll tell you two stories about Robert Kamen okay. and then a third one. So yeah. Robert Kamen, is, uh, he wrote Karate Kid, Taken. He wrote uh, Fifth Element, Transporter. Yeah, um, Transporter. You know, he also wrote... Um, taps so we became really good friends and he comes to me another time and he brings me some wine he's like man and he was on a bike he's a cycler okay and he's like um you know i'm just tired of trying to find new ways to kill people and uh i was like what are you doing he's like well you know i'm working on this action film it's about this guy whose daughter's gotten kidnapped on her way to paris by these like you know sex traffickers but they mess with the wrong guy and the dad is the cia guy he's retired blah 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 and then, like, a couple of months later, I said to him, I was like, well, whatever happened to that script you were going? He said, oh, it's Taken. It's coming out next week. Wow. And, uh, the, it's the name of the movie. Taken. Taken. So what you should and, have said is, hey, how about you, you make him make somebody drink, like, three gallons of Santa Margarita Pinot Grigio? Yeah. That'd right? be a great death. That'd be a great death. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> we can play. Here's some Yellowtail. Yeah. So what and, the, then, and so uh, then, and over the years, I got to know some people. And, he, uh, and then um, one of the great stories is, um, one night, uh, Harrison Ford had dinner with uh, Keanu Reeves. Oh, wow. And, uh, <laughs> and, and came in and, uh, you know, I ended up uh, outside um, with, uh, with Mr. Ford with green, uh, so, some green stuff. And then I paid the, the I paid the uh, gesture back to him. So you're smoking weed with Harrison Ford. We yeah we had a we had a. Puff. I think probably everybody knows we that guy's a, a stoner. We puffed we puffed outside. I know a few people who know Cayman as well, and like you know he's you and know, and Keanu yeah. Reeves was interesting because he like kind of wandered around. He had like two different shoes on, two different side on. <laughs> it was, but he wasn't he wasn't drinking a lot. He was he was completely sober and he didn't smoke and you know just a bit odd. He just a bit odd, but he was yeah. very sweet, very nice. But Harrison Ford was playful. He was yeah. very. Very like, 
he was like a jester. Yeah. And uh, so then, so then uh, at the end of the meal, they drank some like shav. We, you know, I, I, I great gave producer. Him, I gave him some shav, uh, yeah. some Hermitage yeah. that I got at auction. Really great. I gave him a white and a red shav. And then, um, so I repaid him with elixir, green chartreuse, yeah, chartreuse. <laughs> and, I, and I, so listen, it's I give it to him, and I'm like. This is gonna give you like a third eye, bro. Like you're gonna be like you're gonna be like seeing like you're gonna go to another dimension, right? And he and it was it was cold, and he had a scarf, and he turned he put the scarf around his head, and he said, "I'm not letting that third eye out." Uh, so let's talk. You are now um, you, you have your own consulting firm. Yeah, uh, I do, my, I do my own thing. Give, give us the shout outs. Uh, uh, Juice Man Consulting? Juice Man, yeah, but yeah. I, I go by different things now. Right. I'm Fred Dex MS. Uh, I started as Juice Man and then I did some other stuff. But yeah, I'm nicknamed Juice Man or Dex. I go by all kinds of stuff. I'm working on a Taste Like a Master, which is a um, uh, an online uh, how to taste wine and, and learn from all the mistakes I've made over 20 years. Right. So it's right. basically, you know, putting it in a different. Um, Taking tasting on its head mm-hmm. and, and, and looking at it from an approach of training thousands of people mm-hmm. and finally figuring out what, what connects to, uh, to you know, the average you know, early taster, curious consumer, novice to someone who wants to get into the field of wine and learn okay. how to taste really well. Uh, I, want, I want to thank Freddie for coming uh, to uh, just talk to me. And it's nice to hear uh, his uh, perspective on being an MS and being an entrepreneur in the city and uh, uh, continue to grow. Uh, I know you will. Yeah. Uh, I love your wife. Your daughter is beautiful. And, Thank uh, you. You too. Uh, cool. And I'll, uh, I'll see you in the hood. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar. Mm-hmm.